0: On this week's episode, we have Champik, who is a co-founder of InfinityMark, where they are building a solution to on-chain real-world assets, namely art, onto the blockchain, creating a digital replica of a physical piece. Hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Uh, yeah, so let's uh, start off this podcast here. Uh, welcome back to the Stockholm School Economics, Traffic and also welcome back to DAS, the Digital Asset Society here. Uh, last time we met you, it, you had a lunch lecture, actually, in connection with our the first uh, NFT expedition in, in Stockholm here at Fotografiska that we co-arranged. Uh, so I'm curious, because this was like it was in February, February, so it's like several months ago. What what, what have you been up to within the space since since then?
2: Yes. Uh, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me here. It's uh, super glad to be uh, back and sort of, you know, catch up uh, where things are. A lot yeah. of activities in the space. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's great what you're doing uh, with the Digital Assets Society and uh, educating everybody and uh, giving a lot of uh, information. In a easy to understand and a more tangible way because, you know, there's a lot of techno talk out there. Yeah, exactly. So getting it across uh, in a way people to understand helps to market, helps with market adoption. And uh, it's a fantastic uh, initiative. Yeah, I
1: you. yeah.
2: So, I mean, uh, we have been uh, busy with uh, Infinity Mark, uh, sort of, you know, uh, working on traction, working on fundraising, working on sort of uh, improving the product and uh, getting more customers on board. Uh, talking to a lot of investors because we have a demo day coming up in uh, June, uh, where we plan to sort of uh, start next round of investments. So we've been uh, busy getting uh, ready for that. Uh, we have uh, signed up some new artists. Uh, we have had uh, international, uh, big international artist who's uh, signed up with us, a gentleman called uh, Tobias uh, Reiberger from Germany.
3: Oh, okay.
2: Yes. Uh, so uh, we've been yeah busy at work.
1: Yeah. Yes. So nice. And uh, when it comes to like. Apart from mm-hmm. a, into Infinity Mark, I guess we will we'll go back deeper into that later, but like uh, just your overall, you know, uh, immerse, uh, how, how immersed have you been to the crypto space and following like Twitter feed and like the movements because it's yes. it's quite a crazy environment right now. It is. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. I mean, uh, I think because of Infinity Mark, I'm a little bit disconnected from the day-to-day uh, madness, <laughs> if I may say, uh, <laughs> of the market. Um, But, I mean, uh, if you look at the history of uh, the crypto space, you know, when it was just Bitcoin even, it has always been a huge roller coaster. I mean, it it goes up 10 times, it goes down 5 times. So, it's a huge uh, roller coaster. So, this is, uh, I mean, when I see that the Bitcoin crashed 50%, it doesn't uh, bother me or uh, interest (laughs) me because I've seen it like so many times. And I'm like, okay, it's going to bounce back 150 times. So, I'm going to sort of, you know. Sort of, you know, keep an eye on that upside. um I mean, it's also, I mean, there's also a lot of speculation in the market, and uh, you know, a lot of changes happen. And then uh, now, now that Bitcoin is quite mainstream, uh, the the world events also affect. You know, energy crises and uh, things like that affect. And then uh, you know, things like there are. I mean, China makes various decisions, and you know, that happens. Then you know. Uh, Elon Musk comes and tweets something, you know <laughs> that 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 has a certain, yeah. uh, impact on the market. Yeah. So I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but uh, I think uh, the with the uh, with bigger uh, market uh, adoption and uh, with more uh, mainstream applications, I think it's gonna stabilize uh, over time. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, same things have happened to big stocks. Uh, same things have happened to the U.S. dollar. You know. So it it is. This is it's, You know, market economics. Yeah, or commodities as well. Yeah.
0: Um. But moving back a little bit in time, so so the audience can understand who you are and like what Infinity Mark is and how how you kind of got got here today. Uh, you always have a bit of a technical background. Uh, and you're the technical component to, to Infinity Mark as well. But maybe if you want to talk about uh, what kind of brought you into the space and and got you to found uh Infinity Mark.
1: And even before that, you yeah. started in uh, at Singapore. Singapore. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean.
2: I I think I was interested in technical things uh, from the time I was uh, very small. So, uh, and I mean, somehow, I think when I was very young, I came across uh, computers probably through television. So, I somehow convinced my parents to buy me uh, Sinclair. I don't know whether you heard of this Sinclair. (laughs) There was a. No
0: no clue.
2: (laughs) Oh, right. There was a little uh, keyboard computer that you plug to the TV uh, and you connect a tape drive you know, to store data. So, I mean, yeah. uh, we couldn't afford the tape drive. We just got the Sinclair, plugged it to the TV. And yeah, I mean, it was it was just a machine. You, you program with the basic. And then, um, I mean, what was interesting about this little Sinclair was it had a little port uh, on the back of it. So you can connect stuff to it. Yeah. And uh, you can uh, use uh, basic uh, programming to operate stuff. So, you know, I mean, I I I had my whole room wired, uh, you know, like stuff turning on and off, you know, basically a fire hazard. But What did your parents say? (laughs) They were like, you know, as long as you don't set the house on fire and electrocute yourself, like uh, my father will always come and say, one of these days you are going to electrocute yourself. So, uh, yeah, so I had always a, a huge interest in technology and things technical. Um, So back in the day uh, where I, uh, so I got into software development, you know, wrote various bits of software and then there's a group of us at school, we, you know, we were trying to develop games and all Mm -hmm. sorts of stuff. And um, by about 15, I got my first opportunity to actually uh, build a little uh, commercial software. So uh, I sold that software when I was around 15. Made a bit of money. Yeah, bought a bigger computer. Reinvested <laughs> directly. 100% re- Borrowed some more money from my parents. You know, bought a, a bigger computer. And I mean, so it just uh, stayed with uh, computer software and hardware and all these things. Uh, then, um, then I wanted to study uh, computers. You know, after after yeah, what we call A levels at uh, school.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, so I joined the Singapore Informatics where I learned the systems analysis and design. Uh, but I kept working. From the time I was 15, I kept doing, you know, doing little, what uh, whatever the little sort of uh, odd uh, software development work. I had mm. a lot of interest in building things. And then there was this university professor uh, who sort of, you know, gave me a little job to do some websites. So I actually developed the website for the very first newspaper website for a Sri Lankan newspaper oh. back in... Uh, Ninety-seven. I think. What was it called? It was called The Sunday Times. Yes, that website still... uh, Not the same website, but (laughs) the newspaper is still uh, Still online. They still operate it, but the very first uh, newspaper, the very first time we we put it online. Uh, Then I was involved in... uh, Around the same time, I was involved in uh, uh, doing a bit of consulting for the very first internet Mm -hmm. company in Sri Lanka, who brought internet to Sri Lanka. And um, Mm -hmm. since then, uh, I have been... uh, heavily involved in uh, internet technology. Then uh, while I was in Singapore Informatics, uh, I got opportunity to uh, develop some more uh, telecommunication-related applications. And during that process, I was uh, headhunted by a company to take this uh, project a little bit uh, forward. Uh, so uh, then we ended up uh, introducing voice-over-IP technology into Sri Lanka. And then uh, we, uh, with this company, we uh, did voice-over-IP projects in about uh, 20 countries. Then I developed a sort of a proprietary system to manage telecoms fraud. Mm. Uh, we, uh, we never p- patented it, but we applied it in a number of countries together with uh, Teleno in uh, Norway. And uh, yeah, we did that in about, uh, we did the fraud management application in about three or four countries, four countries. And then o- overall, we worked in about 20 odd countries doing telecoms projects. So uh, during that time, I was introduced in distributed computing. Uh, because I thought it's a very uh, interesting area where, you know, you, you uh, offload uh, computing power into big networks and uh, <coughs> and uh, get a lot of work done. And uh, funnily enough, when I was in- investigating this, I came across a project called the SETI. I don't know whether you heard of it. No,
1: actually not. Yes, uh,
2: SETI is called the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. So uh, this was a network uh, of distributed computers built by organization called SETI organization. They had a massive uh, radio telescope array somewhere in the US, I can't remember where we are now. And uh, what they did was they developed a software that runs on uh, any computer that will take a chunk of that radio telescope data and will analyze it for extraterrestrial signals. So you run this software on your computer and then the the, the, the system will give you a chunk of data to process mm-hmm. and it will your computer will do the work and send it back Saying you know whether there was something useful in that chunk of data you got, so this is quite cool, uh, right? Yeah, and I I can't remember. I don't know whether they still exist. I think they ran out of funding at some point and yeah. they came very close to shutting down. I I really don't know what happened after that. So then uh, through that somewhere around um, 2014, I came across uh, Bitcoin. Yeah,
3: yeah,
2: because obviously Bitcoin has a sort of a similar uh, concept of proof of work. Mm-hmm. So through this I came across bitcoin and uh, I mean, I've, the whole thing fascinated me the whole idea behind it I read the white paper I have sort of I had a good idea about it but then when I started looking for bitcoin all I found was uh, Silk Road yeah. <laughs> and uh, everything connected to it. Yeah. And, and then I'm like, for
1: those not familiar with C- Silk Road, could you uh, just explain? Because like, uh, that was like the first application in some sense of Bitcoin. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah. So uh, Silk Road was sort of the first biggest application for Bitcoin because Bitcoin provided uh, an enormous amount of anonymity to people to do transactions without being tracked or traced or anything. So obviously, the first people to find this interesting was. Uh, sort of criminals <laughs> yeah. and they started this website where they were selling uh, illegal substances and drugs and all sorts of things on this website for bitcoin so people could go to a uh, sort of exchange use their credit card buy bitcoin and then the sort of the trail stops there you go to silk road you buy whatever you buy and uh, that's it and and this was becoming so everything i searched you know ended up at that position so i sort of I sort of gave up, uh, unfortunately, on uh, chasing Bitcoin at that point. Uh, I mean, then I think later, FBI shut down Silk Road, and I think up to date, uh, FBI sits on the biggest uh, Bitcoin haul ever uh, in the history. I mean, if I remember right, it's a few hundred million dollars or something at some point. So, uh, yeah, so that was my first interaction with Bitcoin. And then, uh, then of course, the the, the next boom uh, happened uh, around uh, 2017. Then I was like, come on, I missed the bus last time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hasn't
1: it hasn't disappeared yet. <laughs>
2: exactly, it hasn't disappeared. It's not criminal anymore because now you know J P Morgan is talking about it. You yeah. know, this is it's, it's all over the place. So like, okay, I, now how to to start investigating this again? Uh, I I didn't have a great understanding about blockchain in the first round. Uh, at the first time I only saw the cryptocurrency value but then I had a, a lot more understanding about blockchain uh, the second time around mm-hmm. then I mean I thought okay Bitcoin is great it's fantastic but blockchain has a much bigger value and a utility application with this technology Yeah. so uh, that, that uh, then I thought like uh, this, this is not going to go away this is definitely something that's going to stay so I got into the crypto space I built an exchange and you know you built an exchange? yes Um, wow. built an exchange and, in Sri Lanka? in what? Sri Lanka okay. yes was it a like a decentralized exchange? No, any? no, it was a centralized exchange. Yeah, yeah uh, decentralized was not not sort of fashionable, not in fashion at that time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was uh, a centralized exchange. Uh, yeah. Sort of built it and then I later ended up selling it, uh-huh. and uh, but then um, the yeah you know rode the wave, experienced the crash. You know, <laughs> <laughs> may you make money, you lose money. <laughs> that that yeah. happens. Uh, but then uh, then I was always thinking like, okay, where is the real value of this, this blockchain technology? Uh, so then I started looking into things like, you know, the, the, the various applications with uh, education, you know, authentication, mm. uh, validation of information, because uh, I mean, here in Sweden, uh, we have a very uh, technologically advanced uh, systems, you know, when it comes to information and data and uh, authentication of ownership and things like that. But in, in Sri Lanka, it, it wasn't like that. So you know there was a lot of uh, need, big need, for uh, this kind of technology. So I started doing a lot of R and D on that, and uh, then uh, sort of uh, the NFT boom started happening slowly, slowly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Then I come like, come on, this is digital assets. So there has to be a way for physical assets to be brought into this whole blockchain ecosystem because Mm -hmm. that's definitely uh, there is definitely a big uh, potential in this for physical assets to be present in, in blockchain, in, in a digitized form, uh, in an indisputable way, uh, there has to be some uh, value in that. So that's how I started working on the sort of the foundation for Infinity Mark by, you know, looking at various technologies and applications and doing a lot of R&D on that. Uh, then, uh, then uh, together with our scientific partner, we built this whole chemically engineered solution and the blockchain software and the whole application mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with the NFT boom and the awareness that it created in the art industry. I mean, I thought the best place to apply this right now is the art industry. Yeah. Because uh, art industry is now extremely interested in this whole technology. Mm-hmm. And it's—it's uh, it's and, and the digital art space is has a different value. Uh, it, it the whole speculativeness of it, and 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 the ra- rarity reality of it is is different from physical art. Uh, so we thought it was be the best time to apply uh, this uh, technology uh, into uh, into the art uh, art space. So that's how the whole uh, Infinity Mark uh, came to be. Uh,
3: yeah,
1: looking. Uh, <laughs> and 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 what's more specifically going into and Finmark? Then what are you specifically doing? Like I, I just for the listeners here, like turning the, the physical, you know, artist work into the blockchain essentially. But in what way? And what's your ultimate mission here?
2: Yeah, in Absolutely. If you look at the art world, technology and the art world has not crossed paths for a very long time. Yeah, they have you know lived in uh, silos, so to say. So, and at the same time, art world is a place where there is a lot of stored value. At the same time, there's a lot of um, forgeries and misattributions. And so a lot of people have uh, lost money in the art space because of, you know, because of lack of technology, so to say. Lack of uh, authenticity, lack of ownership and uh, lack of attribution and things like that. So what we are trying to do is to build technology to change that. So that, you know, end of the day, the artist... Gets a lifetime recognition and beyond. The collector gets to retain and appreciate the value of the asset they have, uh, because you know I mean n- nobody wants to buy, spend you know any amount of money to buy something that's gonna have no value mm-hmm. one day. So yeah, you will want at least it to have the same value uh, going forward. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we are trying to uh, bring in to the art world. Uh, so the first technology we have built is is uh, indisputable way of connecting. Uh, uh, objects such as art to blockchain using a chemically engineered uh, solution so there is a permanent and indisputable connection between the object and the blockchain record Mm -hmm. that very clearly says this is what it says it is Mm -hmm. so that is where infinity mark is at the moment
0: how is this uh, solution applied to to either the painting or the sculpture or what it might be
2: yeah. yeah. No, it's a, it's a sort of a chemical uh, application. Yeah. So you just uh, apply it to the artwork.
0: So is it like a spray or? or... Yes, it's like yeah. a paint. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yes. And then that then gives some type of binary signal that can then be used to on-chain the, the asset.
2: Exactly. It, has a, it it carries a serial number. Yeah. That, uh, that serial number is used to rec- uh, reference it to the blockchain.
3: Okay.
0: And so then, when you want to transact this art piece, you just go onto the secondhand market of say OpenSea or whatever it might yes. be,
2: and you can retrieve yeah. the record of uh, certificate of authenticity. Fascinating. Yes. Oh,
1: that's fascinating. And and what blockchain are you using? We are using
2: Ethereum at the moment. Uh,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's very interesting, and uh, and uh, because and I also interested um, for if you look go back to the NFT expedition at Fotografiska, we had Kirsten there, which is the, the co-founder also, right? Yes. Uh, how are you like uh, dividing your because you're I guess you're the more tech savvy in, yes. in this space, and how are you dividing your roles and how is it to work with someone who is more in for, from from that space and like yes. and your synergies
2: exactly. So I mean, one of the first things uh, we realized. At the very beginning of uh, this process was that we need an art specialist who understands the art world, who knows uh, who knows the art world, and who uh, understands the the pain points, and and uh, who has the sort of the respect and the connections yeah. to the art world. So this was a key uh, uh, role in in the company, and uh, we were so I uh, Antler Uh, headhunted and found me and asked me to join their program uh, Mm. last year so then uh, during uh, that process I asked Antler you know can you help me find the art specialist who can come on board so that I can take this project uh, forward Uh, then Antler helped to uh, find Kirsten I mean we uh, met uh, at the beginning and I mean I think more or less on the first uh, one or two meetings we decided I mean we are a a good fit and we can uh, take this forward And I mean, uh, we have very complementing skills.
3: Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm I'm a full-on tech guy (laughs) and she's a full-on art specialist. So, you know, that's a very uh, good combination for this uh, mission. Yeah.
1: Uh, okay, let's d- dig into crypto a little bit here. Uh, I love to ask this question because I, we always get new definitions and perspectives uh, and because you can define this in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, but let's start with uh, your definitions of all these kind of key terms within this space. So first of all, what is really a blockchain and how would you define a cryptocurrency? Uh, and also to this, would you rather use the term crypto assets? And if not, how would you describe the difference? difference yes. Uh, blockchain is the
2: infrastructure that applications are built on. It's um, it's a little bit like your rail network. Yeah. It's a little bit like our rail network. You know, on, on the rail network, we can run any type of trains. We can run fast trains, tow, slow trains, cargo trains, you know, you name it. So, blockchain is a little bit like that. And it is a infrastructure layer. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is distributed. It is uh, immutable. That means uh, it, it, once you record something on the blockchain, by design, you cannot change it. You can update it. You can say that particular record should have this new information, but you can never go back and delete or change that original piece of information. That is the way it is set up. And this information is constantly verified by, what, by uh, a, a, a sort of a software or a unit called a miner. So the miner will constantly verify this information saying that, okay, this particular block of information is accurate. Uh, and cryptocurrency is a application that built but that is built on this blockchain. Because of its immutable nature, it's great for a, something like a cryptocurrency because things cannot be changed. You know, I I I make a transaction to you, it will be there and accurate forever.
1: Yeah.
2: And then you know, because it, there, there will never be a situation where both you and I have the Bitcoin that I sent you.
1: Yeah, the double spending problem.
2: Exactly. So, uh, because of this, uh, Bitcoin was built on, on blockchain and I mean, to me, uh, the, the, the whole concept of Bitcoin, I mean, if we go back to Bitcoin, yeah. you know, take a step back and look at the original cryptocurrency. I mean, it, it's, it's a combination of, um, I think, financial uh, financial genius. Financial genius you know i mean you you know a lot about economy and finance uh, mm-hmm. than me i mean you can see how economic parameters are built into into bitcoin yeah. and it has an enormous amount of activism you know it, it you talk about freedom borderless you know all these uh, activism is in that and i mean it's a it's it's a utility you know it, it it's it's the first time i think uh, a, tech, a piece of technology mm-hmm. that truly liberated the internet yeah. uh i mean uh, it, it's i mean uh, credit cards were good phone line transactions but credit cards were never designed for online transactions so you know mm-hmm. bitcoin was built for online uh, commerce but of course now it has evolved into something a lot more than that uh, than uh, now it has become a store of value yeah. than a, sort of a transactional currency but that's what uh, it has become so, uh, after Bitcoin, of course, you know, the, so many other different blockchains and technologies and improvements and uh, new things uh, came into the market. Uh, I mean, if you look at two different uh, sides of it, uh, one is we have blockchains like Bitcoin blockchain, which are basically uh, cryptocurrencies. They are currency, they are transactional, you use it for uh, transfer of value. like uh, bitcoin litecoin like that then you have a utility type of blockchains such as uh, ethereum so that uh, has store and transfer of value at the same time it's like a giant uh, computer you can run uh, applications on it you can run software on it you know which are called uh, smart contracts and the smart contracts can uh, autonomously do uh, many different activities you know i mean even even simple things like uh, like uh, payroll you know, you have a smart contract that reads your uh, uh, fingerprint reader when you come to office. You know, there can be a smart contract that will simply calculate how many times you came to office and uh, pay out your salary directly to you without, you know, anybody inter- intervening. Uh, so things like that can be built on this uh, uh, utility type of uh, blockchains. Um, I mean, yeah, your question about uh, crypto assets... Yeah. um I mean cryptocurrencies are asset just like you know any other assets yeah so yeah
1: but I I guess what I'm was you know uh, leaning towards was more like it's been um I think for for people on board in the space it can sometimes Cryptocurrencies could be misleading, not because they are not crypto assets, which they are, of course, but more than that. You think that all these 15,000 cryptocurrencies, so to say, are competing for being money, Mm. while essentially it's, in my opinion, only Bitcoin that is competing to be money, while the others are more like companies trying to achieve a certain mission or certain uh, utility. Exactly.
2: 100% i mean a uh, lot of them are utility coins like you very rightly said so you buy it to uh, redeem or access some service developed by a company yeah uh, many coins are like that and i mean l- like you said I me mean, thousands of like that have come and i think probably 99% have simply failed uh, mm-hmm. to you know, do anything uh, anything um it, so i mean that, that that is sort of the unfortunate part about cryptocurrency and because of the whole ease of uh, technology, yeah. uh, there was a sort of uncontrolled uh, boom. Probably when uh, not, although it was not as big as the dot com boom, mm-hmm. um, it, it was something like that. And yeah, there was a huge uh, sort of gold rush, and uh, a lot of people to just just cashed out. And
0: yeah. So considering how easy it is to to both like create and build and gain like some kind of mass adoption within the space. What what within this very wide Web3 space or kind of like crypto today do you find interesting? Um, yeah. and, and what maybe do you not find interesting?
2: Yeah. I mean, what I find interesting is the application of the technology. Because, you know, regardless of the whole speculative nature of different people trying to do different things with different... Uh, ideas and currencies or assets or whatever the technology is amazing i mean you they, they have been built by thousands of people who know a lot of things about a lot of things <laughs> so so and and i mean uh, the, the the applications of that technology is what excites me personally so you know i mean the bitcoin crashes i'm like you know, it crashes all the time it goes up all the time so but the whole blockchain tech you know you, you whatever you build on it uh, that can have much more long-term value. That can have much more impactful value, and uh, that that is where the real value is. That's that's what uh, sort of excites me. Uh,
1: so so uh, building upon that, you're not uh, apart from uh, I guess you're most immersed into in infinity market, But apart from that, are you looking to any specific like projects, or are you staying away away from that and more just checking the overall market uh, movements?
2: Yeah, I mean I keep an eye on market movements. I sort of. Double in uh, some of the tech because I do uh, out of personal interest. I do a lot of R and D stuff. So I've been looking at trading bots and how sort of AI plays a part in trading bots and yeah. uh, things like that. It, it, mm. It's just interesting from a R and D point of view. Uh, but I try to stay away from the speculative uh, aspect of it. Uh, I mean, if you have time and if you are at it all the time, then there are probably you know uh, opportunities. But yeah, then you have to be like hundred percent focused on that, and uh, you know, do that.
0: Coming from the the other side as well, do you? How much do you look at the traditional artwork and kind of are doing like R and D on like the, the marketplaces there and how those work? Um, and is, is that something that you're looking into a lot, or how do you guys kind of balance that out?
2: Oh, sorry, I didn't uh, quite understand. Uh,
0: so, it, like, obviously, you're looking in depth on how how to kind of bring. Infinity Mark into like a, a Web3 ecosystem. Yes. But how much are you guys looking at the traditional art world yes. world and the marketplaces there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, traditional art world and the marketplaces is a very important part of our product proposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we try to look at the online marketplaces. We try to look at uh, art fairs and uh, galleries and how business is done today and, and find out where the sort of the pain points and the weak points are. You know, we we, we study uh, the cases like, for example, the noodle gallery scenario, uh, what happened. We try to study those cases to see, to understand, you know, where these weak points are, weak positions are, so that, you know, we can uh, adopt and improve our product to avoid that kind of scenarios yeah. uh, down the road. So, yeah, we, um, uh, I mean, I think we spent quite a bit of time uh, studying the market, studying the trends, and uh, keeping an eye on uh, on what goes on. Uh, and I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a the, the traditional art market has not changed much for a very mm. long time. Uh, I think the biggest change that happened between, you know, the original cave art and today is the online marketplace. Yeah. So other than that, I don't think much has happened in that space. So that is where the opportunity is uh, with Web3 and with the blockchain and with the NFTs and with, Technology to you know give a huge boost to this
1: uh, space. Yeah, I guess also that that's essentially something that you're pinpointing right now. That there is, uh, do you agree with the view that there is a shift from you know in the in the in the real origin like, of like blo- of the blockchain technology of Bitcoin? It was in some sense very tech savvy people, and then they attracted a lot of, of like libertarians and p- for political reasons, and then it became something more widespread within the finance world, but yes. now the big shift is more into the social aspect of mm-hmm. it and I think that is something that actually can really be a catalyst for, for the mass adoption when it's more than just financial gains and it's more than politics it's actually something that can include the, the social aspects of our life that most people value the most uh, What about that view and then do you agree with
2: that? Absolutely, I mean in in my view uh, I think between Bitcoin has also in a way become a little bit unreachable uh, to to everybody so to say yeah. because you know Bitcoin mining is extremely energy consuming uh, affair and I mean a lot of people think you have to buy one Bitcoin to get into the space <laughs> <laughs> so you know one Bitcoin is I think today $30,000 or somewhere there yeah. yeah. so so that's also a huge like, huge barrier I mean like who's going to spend $30,000 buying <laughs> one Bitcoin so so that's also something that, you know, okay, you can buy a fraction of a fraction of fraction as well. So, you know, it doesn't have to be that. So so because of the the per Bitcoin price and because of the high energy consumption in mining, I think Bitcoin has mm, gone away from its original uh, sort of uh, sort of freedom coin uh, mm-hmm. concept. Uh, it has become, I mean, it's becoming, I mean, people are talking about using Bitcoin as a reserve currency in some countries, you know, like El Salvador tried doing it. Yeah. yeah. They're buying a lot of Bitcoin and if you look at the top 10, uh, top Fortune 500 companies, all of them have uh, Bitcoin uh, as an asset in their balance sheet. And I think Tesla one year showed crazy profits by just buying a pile of Bitcoin and selling it and suddenly Tesla PNL, you know, you made money, but not from cars, but trading Bitcoin. So...
0: (laughs) yeah, and uh, I guess a follow-up question there would be, you're the first kind of Web2 builder that we've had on the podcast. Uh, and so an interesting question would be, how has how have you kind of seen the the industry within like Web2 and building on, on that versus now going into Web3, if you want to call it that, and, and building here and kind of, what are the differences yes. between those two worlds?
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the immediate difference is the centralization and the decentralization. Mm-hmm. And the other, the, the, the most important thing is the ownership of content. And I mean, that is an enormous shift in uh, ownership and, and uh, value creation and value retention. Uh, web 2, I mean, the users don't own content. The, 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 the companies or various other third parties own content. But with Web 3, the creators and content owners has, have a massive uh, power in the whole Web 3 space. So th- that that that's gonna change uh, the whole uh, space. I mean, that's gonna ho- change the way we do things. I mean, uh, I was looking at a um, uh, interview by uh, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just I think about ten days ago. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and you know, so, at, at Snoop Dogg says, you know, I was the first celebrity on Instagram, and at that time, Instagram had. You know, thousand users, so yeah. very small number of users, very small company. And he says, "I was the first celebrity on Instagram. I put stuff on Instagram, and then Instagram CEO went on meeting Snoop Dogs on Instagram,' and then Instagram went from zero to whatever the billion, and I got nothing. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> I mean, so so like, uh, so if you put it in context, yeah, uh, like all the people who have created all the content on." Instagram, if I may quote, uh, I mean, they of course they've got um, publicity and PR and various things, mm-hmm. but you know the the value of that creation, uh, they didn't get the benefit. That that's the reality of it. Yeah. I mean, same goes for Facebook, and I mean, Facebook has some monetization uh, opportunities these days, but uh, early days of YouTube, same. So that is a huge shift. I mean, today, I mean, the 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 anybody who creates that. Uh, content has the ability to own it and, of course, monetize it. So that I think that oh, that's a very uh, positive thing about Web3. Apart from the whole sort of technology aspect of it, uh, that's I think uh,
1: I think a big deal. Yeah, And uh, being more the the devil's advocate here, uh, what are the main challenges do you think in in this pursuit of building this utopian dream of a completely Web3-based world? Uh, Because it's, you know, a lot of people we talk with are very bullish, of course, as are we, otherwise we wouldn't do this. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we need also to be realistic and and face uh, the fact that there are, of course, as always, challenges. So what are the key challenges do you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this uh, out loud. Although being a tech guy, yeah, uh, I think the biggest challenge in the web. I mean, a lot of people are gonna uh, sort of you know complain to me that I say this, but I'm gonna still say yeah. it. So, <laughs> so but uh, you know, um, the 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 biggest problem today in Web three is it's built by techs for techs. Yeah, I think that is the biggest problem. So, people who are building this are not looking at day-to-day end users Mm. they are looking at it from their point of view and that must change that must change so i mean this is what the web 2 got right
1: exactly web
2: 2 built things Mm. for users you know facebook post built for users not for tech people in the beginning maybe but it became a a user thing instagram you know you look at all the Mm. web 2 stuff they were built with user uh, on user as the sort of the top uh, priority or top yeah. point but web3 today is being built with tech people in mind you know mm-hmm. that's so that must change I mean even for me when I look at the whole process of uh, getting on uh, metamask and the whole uh, it, it, uh, it 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 irritates me also
1: <laughs> I mean, that is a problem <laughs>
2: it is, exactly I'm like come on this has to be simpler than this you know yeah. <laughs> we've come so far this has to be simpler than this but you know but if you tell that to 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 a top level engineers, they're like, "Come on, it's the simplest thing in the world to do. It's, it's press two three times it works." So I'm like, "No, no, no! You gotta see this from my son's, my 15 year old son's point of view, or my grandmother." <laughs> oh, my grandmother! Exactly. I mean, she uses bank ID. <laughs> it's yeah. simple enough. Yeah. It yeah. it works. So you we have to bring it to that level. Yeah. We, it is too far from the users today. So I think that is the biggest challenge. So this I think these lot of these uh, companies who are also building this Web three stuff. Uh, Every time, you know, every time I'm like, come on, you you guys have to bring uh, sort of UX people from the real world Mm -hmm. for this to work.
0: Why do you think that uh, it's become or kind of grown into this really complicated beast compared to like now that we had like Web2 where everything was so easy to use and that's only become better and better? Why have we almost de-evolved there?
2: Exactly. I mean, I think the reason is uh, the... The huge uh, fund, I think it goes back to the funding scenario Um, because what happens is uh, companies get funded and the very first thing everybody does is, you know, go from three engineers to 300 engineers. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. then you immediately become a tech company. Mm -hmm. Then you are building tech solutions. So that sort of drives the direction of the product and of the company. And I mean, it it just happens. I mean, I've been in that kind of companies in the past. I mean, you lose uh, sight of the user very fast. It works for you. It works for the 250 other people around you. (laughs) And it works for all your friends. Everybody says good things about it. So you don't...
1: And I think it's the best innovation ever. (laughs) Ever.
2: And everybody tells you that because everybody (laughs) is like you.
1: (laughs) Reinforcing.
2: (laughs) Reinforcing. So, I mean, so then it just becomes that. Yeah. So this has to change. I mean, uh, so... This is what I think is the biggest uh, problem at the moment, and I think this is what this is the change that has to happen for this to go mainstream. Uh, I mean, otherwise, it's just uh, some of these things are just uh, too technical. Uh, I mean, it's...
0: to to kind of bridge it into Infinity Mark, and obviously, working with like, the traditional art market, a lot of those people aren't tax savvy. Uh, I would assume. So, how are you kind of tackling that problem at, at Infinity Mark on like yes. a base level?
2: Exactly. So, I mean. Me personally, what I try to do is I try to look at this from user's point of view and then also um, with uh, Kirsten's involvement uh, and with we have a couple of other colleagues uh, who are from the art world. So they see this from the user point of view and because they are not from a technical background, mm-hmm. they see it uh, differently than the, from a technical So with that input, what we are trying to do in our company is try to mold the product to be as user-friendly as practically possible. I mean, there are some technology bottlenecks that stops us from doing certain things. I mean, we don't we also don't want to sort of reinvent wheels when it comes to certain things. So certain things we also have to wait for some things to change, like you know, for example, things like gas fees and mm. how long things take. So some of these things are a bit of bottlenecks, but comes in the territory. But then as for the user experience, what we try to do is we we try to make it as simple as possible and we try to make it as easy for the user as possible. So so if you look at our mobile apps and uh, everything, we try to minimize the number of steps and minimize the technical wording. We mm. uh, keep it very straightforward. You know, within two, three, four steps, you get your primary task done and then the information you see is is not fully technical. It's, it's in, a, in a much more easier way to understand. So doing uh, by constantly working with users actual users so we try to make it as simple and as easy as uh, for them to understand so so that's how we are trying to sort of uh, help or change or change this okay
1: and uh, continuing just with infinite mark you touched upon it a little bit before but like just for 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 hours, I'm curious, but also probably the listeners. Like, how does uh normal like, how, like a day to day operation at in in from the when you wake up to to your finish? Like, what what are you specifically doing on a normal day?
2: Yes, I mean right now we are quite uh, sales driven. We are working hard on traction because you know that's that's quite important part of the business. Yeah. Um, then um, the. But the, I, I think we also spend a lot of time improving the solution. We get a lot of input from users and, and internally and uh, artists and everybody. So we try to uh, incorporate that into what we are doing. Yeah. And um, if you look at it from a day-to-day basis, I mean, it's mostly focused on uh, traction and sales, working with the customers we have. Uh, addressing you know issues they come up with Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean we of course work with a lot of investors uh, uh, you know addressing their concerns and discussions and uh, at the same time we uh, take part in various programs to improve ourselves to understand you know things we don't know like you know finance and accounting and legal and uh, recruitment and all these things Uh, so yeah it's a it's a quite a mix of different activities uh, on, on, on a given day uh, working towards a set of goals uh, trying to you know uh, try to get there and uh, make progress that's that's basically you know what keeps us busy these days
0: yeah I guess as most startups you're wearing uh, many hats yeah, in any given day uh, I mean it's like you know yeah.
2: I've I'm, come I'm go- I'm go- I'm go- bold so many hats you know just keep changing yeah. lose so much yeah. Yeah. no but
0: <laughs> part of the fun <laughs> I wasn't
2: this bold back then you know?
1: yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, but uh, let's just zoom out a little bit. I I think we have been already touching upon this and, and it's obvious that you are very tech uh, interested. But, but like from a broader perspective, when it comes to the whole world of digital assets and like cryptocurrencies, NFTs, the blockchain itself, what like perspective or perspectives of this space drives your interest the most? Like... What, I'm, what I mean with this is that, is it like the financial, the philosophical, the political or the technical, probably most importantly, uh, or maybe even a combination of these dimensions? Because it feels like, uh, or I, I reckon that we all have some different like end motives or or why we actually are doing this and why we are committing ourselves into this space. Yes.
2: I mean, I I think it's, uh, obviously it's a combination of this, but I think what really excites me and drives me is uh, technology. Uh, what what the technology can do you know beyond what you see on the surface uh, that that's that's what interests me that's what you know pulled me into the blockchain space uh, that that's what you know back then pulled me into telecommunications and all these things uh, so that is my private interest that you know what can technology to do to make people lives easier to make my life easier to you know bring some value to something I do for example uh, to, to, you know, to, to, to bring value to day-to-day uh, lives and... Mm, and to, to empower people. To empower people and to improve, uh, you know, people's uh, lives. And, uh, I mean... I, uh, I have had a bit of activism in me going back. <laughs>
1: yeah, because I, I reckon why I asked this question is because I think it's so interesting when we have people here we, because we have one in, in Digital Society, uh, Matillo. Uh, it's a uh, background in Colombia and, uh, and also the US, which is, is, when you think about it, not so advanced in, in all the uh, perspectives. But but it's always fun to have someone with a, with a more... Yeah, uh, like global perspective when it comes to the space. Because as you said in the beginning, if you are from Sweden and you have Bankia, you have Swiss and all these aspects, then it's like it could be very hard to find the real purpose of all this. Why does it really matter? Um, but but in in your case, it's interesting because your your background is Sri Lankan and and the, all the challenges uh, that you mo- must have faced and realized. Uh, yeah,
2: and I mean I've I've worked in uh, twenty odd countries, and most of most of them were. around the poverty line, probably even below. I mean, i worked in places like uh, Afghanistan, Kenya, Ghana, Nigeria, Yemen, Egypt, Jordan, various places. So so a lot of these countries, you know, because of their economic situations and uh, because of uh, bad systems, you know, corrupt leaders, you know, bad practices due to various reasons, uh, uh, people have been deprived of opportunities. You know, the the countries have lost wealth and... uh, uh, the the it has not lot of these things that you know we take uh, for granted uh, these people have been deprived and you know it's so so that's a very uh, unfortunate situation yeah. you know we have come very far in technology you know, I mean you know we can you, know, you can pay x amount of money and take a rocket <laughs> but at the same time you know there's so many people living uh, below the poverty line yeah. and uh, it's a very unfortunate situation that the the, the distribution of wealth has, is not in a fair way so to say yeah and uh, technology has an amazing uh, part to play and part technology has played a big part in creating that disparity so at the same time i think technology also has a massive role to play to bridge that so 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 that is also something that uh, interests me and uh, so i mean during my free time in my activist role. Yeah. So, I, I try to help out in uh, that kind of projects and, uh, you know, do what I can. Uh, you know, especially like, you know, what's happening in Sri Lanka at the moment, It, 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 you know, it, it it's personal. Yeah. So, so, we see, you know, people we know, people, you know, some of our extended families, they, they see they, they are facing those problems. Mm. So, you know, then, you know, it makes you think, you know, what can you do to help? What can you do to change this? Uh, so, yeah, so the technology uh, technology excites me and the activism uh, gives you new ideas. And at the end of the day, you know, you have to pay the bills as well. So, yeah. of course, you know, at least some of the things you do have to make financial sense. Yeah. So, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: I guess looking at the, the future then as well, what uh, bo- both within, within like, say, impoverished com- uh, economies and, and how those will kind of transform... Uh, with, with advancements in technology as, as well as kind of more mid to short term uh, within like the crypto space? What are your broad uh, broad perspectives on on the future uh, of the
2: industry? Yes. I mean, uh, I I think industry, in, I think many players in the industry are trying to uh, sort of respect the roots of Bitcoin, so to say. I mean, a lot of people have made a lot of money of the Bitcoin uh, rise. Mm-hmm. And so they have to respect the original white paper and and, and they have to sort of give back and, and and help that. So I think a lot of people in the industry are understanding it. Uh, so I mean, uh, in, in, in many opportunities I get, I also try to communicate it and, and and drive it that, you know, I mean, you guys have made it, you know, you have come very far. Yeah. So now, now you know, you need to look at what, what we can uh, give back and and you know how you can uh, harness this technology yeah. to, to make things better yeah and uh, i mean it's like I'm, I'm involved in a couple of other movements to uh, help in in these areas so we try to lobby big companies uh, such as uh, probably i shouldn't name some of them <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> we try to influence these guys to yeah. sort of you know uh, c- come out and uh, help, you know, because you know, you know, we, we have guys who made you know billions of dollars on the crypto wave. So now it's like you know, okay, let's you know, mm-hmm. uh, help, help a little bit. So um, we, are, I mean, um, I can give you a little idea about one of those projects yeah. that 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 we are sort of trying to do. Um, the, the so I I came across this project where people are providing uh, solar power to uh, sort of underserved communities. In, yeah. in various countries so you know they don't have electricity uh, and so they are trying to provide uh, domestic solar power and some batteries and a little bit of sort of things so that they can charge your phone and they can uh, get electricity otherwise you know they have to some, some of these people have to drive over or take a bus for like one hour to charge their phone or mm. you know and the children they, they, they don't have access to uh, any electronic devices stuff like that so, then I thought, I mean, like, and a and, and lot of these communities have um, uh, people who are uh, sort of socially challenged in, in some ways. Uh, f- due to various reasons, maybe they can't travel, maybe they don't have certain uh, education, and there are, uh, like, women who are sort of either not given opportunities, So, so uh, many, 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 many social uh, yeah. issues in these communities. Mm-hmm. So, what I thought is, you know, so I've been telling these guys, listen, so you, you guys are building this uh, whole solar thing. You know why don't we build a little um, crypto mining system that will actually run on this level of energy because we can't do bitcoin or litecoin Mm or any of these things Mm -hmm. on that so we 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 want to build a very uh, energy efficient very light powered crypto mining software that can run on literally any device could it be uh, your computer or mobile phone or whatever so it will be its its energy efficient. It it can run on very small energy footprint, and its its primary focus will be for these disadvantaged communities, for them to you know together with their solar power and all these other uh, sort of opportunities they are getting to get electricity. They also suddenly have opportunity to uh, use this uh, software to mine a cryptocurrency, and and that will uh, that will be used in an ecosystem to buy and sell various other services and commodities so so we are trying to give opportunity to um, people to actually um, earn something for themselves in a a bit of a passive way and and participate in an economy that will hopefully improve their lives and it can uh, improve uh, quality of life for people it can introduce into them into certain level of technology so we are also try to make it very simple and easy mm. for people to use so you know that's a bit of a long term thing mm-hmm. but that is something we are we are trying to work on uh, so that you know it it, it it's like you know uh, it it's like yeah it it it's like you know giving a car to somebody so that you yeah. can have a taxi business
1: s- something like that so uh, that's sort of a... yeah, i love the perspective because i think that's also what what drives my interest at the end of the day like how can this actually empower people? Uh, because you, as you said, like the technology itself is extremely interesting, but for me, it's interesting because of what it can actually can do, uh, not for the efficiency itself, rather in the, the effectiveness of achieving certain goals, which could be, for instance, in, in this case to to empower people that live in, that are socially challenged in, in different ways. So yeah, I think it's beautiful. And I think more people in the crypto space should actually do that. Uh, and as you said, uh, a lot of people have been getting a lot Money, so so there there are opportunities to actually uh, kind of you know uh, give back in some sense.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, so we are trying to lobby with some uh, big crypto exchanges to say that you know you list these coins, and uh, and we are trying to understand whether um, platforms like uh, Fever or Upwork uh, can actually uh, accept coins like this. So that uh, so that uh, there can be a bit of an ecosystem mm-hmm. around it where it, it can have a utility value and, and create the demand for this as well on the other side. Yeah. So that, you know, what is being mined uh, has a demand on the other side. So this is where we are trying to lobby the big companies to see, you know, okay, you guys, you know, allocate a certain amount and, you know, maybe you can use this to set off some of your carbon credits. So, you know, there are many ways big companies can offset things. And, and sort of continue to uh, operate uh, profitably mm. uh, so trying to sort of you know bridge something like that uh, it's a it's a technically interesting project and uh, it it can have a big impact on uh, people so yeah that's uh,
0: that's good Uh, speaking about the kind of like this this bridge between i mean now kind of looking at at the markets in general and seeing kind of like the bearish sentiment and perhaps even going into like this new bear market it's often said that like the builders like yourself like the bear market because then that actually allows them to like all these people are gone and i can actually focus on my product and make it nice uh where and kind of like what is kind of your thesis there do you are you looking forward to maybe having a little bit more of like Less of kind of the hype and hopium
2: uh, gone and having a little bit more quiet to, to develop. Yeah, I mean when when the it, it, it has both positives and negatives. I mean when the when, when it's on a big bull run, I mean then everybody wants to get in. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it's a good time to attract investors because, uh, you know, in, in then like all the investors like, okay, we have to get in on this, we have to get in on this. <laughs> so, uh, but, but this is a good time to build. This is a good time to consolidate. And also, this is a good time to focus on uh, technology. Yeah. So, you know, then you, you sort of, you know, you. this is what, I mean, At even in, when I do investor meetings, like the first thing I try to communicate is we are not in the speculative space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we don't do speculative stuff we use the technology so so this is a good time to focus on that so because you know like our, our company for example this crash uh, has zero impact for us actually it's great for us because we pay less gas fees <laughs> <laughs> so our investors are going to yeah. should love this yeah <laughs> because you know the, 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 when the market goes down 50% our gas fees goes down probably 60 70% yeah. so it's great for us so um, I shouldn't probably say that, but it it is what it is. It is yeah. That's the reality of it for our specific company. Mm-hmm. But the but the utility value and the value it brings to the users does not change with the change in the in in the market. So so that's so that highlights to investors that okay there is something uh, bigger or better or different than the speculative space in this technology. Because a lot of investors are also not uh, technologically savvy, mm, mm-hmm. so you know, I mean, for them, the, the the blockchain and the crypto and NFT, it's all one. So they see this all <laughs> as like one space. Yeah. So this is a good time to sort of you know separate these layers so that they see okay, this fluctuation, no volatility, does not affect the fundamentals. So so it's a, so this is a good time to sort of uh, put that get that message across.
1: Yeah yeah uh, th- but don't you think though just to to challenge a little bit there uh, that the the if if the the market sentiment for because we have seen like not only cryptocurrencies going down but also nft uh, prices uh, for for the big blue products so to say born ap up down like 50% uh, yes. last week uh, do you think that the, the nft specifically the nft segment sentiment like, if, if that changes, that, that could affect uh, how attractive... Because I, I, I reckon that for many people from the traditional art world, it, it still feels a little bit scary. And then yes. if you also see NFT prices not uh, pumping anymore, uh, do you think that that can change like their perception? And, and how do you handle that when you talk to, to yes. people? I mean, th-
2: this is something we have, I think, tried to communicate and address right from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, like, ev- every time this same sort of discussion comes up, okay, what about the CryptoPunks and Vodap and all sorts of different, uh, these other assets. So, I mean, my view on that always have been, these are highly speculative things and we don't know. I mean, we really don't know. It's supply and demand and Mm -hmm. it's based on many things. But if you look at uh, artwork, you know value of an artwork has been well established for a very long time and like you know if it, it depends on the type and size and the artist and the, the sort of the era depending on many variables uh the the value is pretty stable i mean the art art market only collapses when the general economy collapses mm. so it it's, it's connected to the general economy but other than that it, its value Is pretty stable. Mm -hmm. So, what we are bringing is we are bringing in the utility and the technology of blockchain of NFT to this space where the value of the object remains the same. Mm -hmm. So, what we have been trying to communicate is like the NFT price fluctuation it it happens, but then just because the you know the 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 people price changes. I mean that's not going to change the value of a Picasso or a Rothko or yeah. anything else. So that yeah. that doesn't that doesn't happen. So using so that so it's actually quite uh, independent. So so that is so times like this they also understand this because if they if they are using the technology and if you look at uh, uh, OpenSea, although I have not done it over the last uh, few weeks there are some physical assets that sold on uh, OpenSea. And uh, if you look at the digital assets, people keep just dropping prices. Physical assets, they sort of remain mm-hmm. fairly stable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, the utility value plus the physical asset, the digi- so the digitization or the tokenization of the asset, it just brings technology into it. Yeah. So, the, the, the value still remains the same. Or it becomes more because of the additional uh, value addition.
0: Yeah, I mean and that's super interesting. I think it like spawns so many questions of curiosity out of that, but it really shows the beauty of what like the potential of infinity mark is with like traditional art as like an asset class has been very like vague and mysterious almost on purpose and has kind of been seen to be like, okay, you have like real estate and then these like high network worth individuals, okay, they have they have their art market um that's kind of auctioned off behind closed doors and, and, and all of that. And to then see in the future potentially that you have this completely transparent market and can actually see, okay, is this actually uncorrelated even to to, to like t- traditional markets or um or anything else and kind of see the the actual potential that that lies there. Um I had a bit of a a tech question, like a, uh-huh. a follow-up yeah. on kind of how you guys see the future with, like, if you even call that anymore, but like a multi-chain future now that you yep. guys are only on Ethereum and then also mm-hmm. kind yes. of dealing with maybe that will switch to proof of stake and all will be good. But if you look at other, like, layer two or ultimate chains of, like, Polygon or, uh, yep. or um, how you guys are seeing... Yes, multiple blockchains.
2: Exactly. I mean, this again comes back to my original comment about techs building stuff for techs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This works for techs. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, this works for techs. The whole cross-chain, every, it works for techs. Yeah. But then we have had situation in our company where sort of, you know, without me hands-on being involved, try to do cross-chain transactions and we have lost money and lost mm. transactions and yeah. lost NFTs. <laughs> so it doesn't work for regular users. So This has to become absolutely um, transparent and smooth for end users. So cross-chain is a must. It's like, I mean, it's the same as, you know, if you have US dollars, you can very easily convert it to Swedish crowns or vice versa or whatever. So so it is a must. And uh, interoperability between metaverses is a must. Uh, But these things have to happen in a transparent way. Yeah. And a user-friendly, smooth way. Yeah. Right now it is not.
0: And I guess a good follow-up question, and like you being the perfect person to ask, how do you kind of describe the problem and potential of like multi-chain, a multi-chain future, to someone who doesn't understand blockchain technology or is like very new to it? Yes. Like, how do you kind of dumb it down to some extent?
2: I think the easiest way to is to see that is as sort of compare it to currencies you know you you, you, you travel to um, india you have indian rupees you travel to dubai you have uh, dirhams you know you go to america you have us dollars and you you don't think twice about that you know you go to the atm you take money if you have some excess money you probably change it at the airport it's not a task that you worry too much about so this is what it has to come to you know it, it should not concern the user whether you are on this blockchain or that blockchain or the other so you know, you you get on, you on ramp, you off ramp, you get on, you get out. Mm-hmm. So it has to come to that. I mean I mean you know, if, if you go to US, you, do, you know you don't you don't think about how am I gonna pay for things. Mm-hmm. You don't worry about it. You just if you need cash you go to the ATM. Yeah. That's it. And I mean then you don't think, Okay, what am I gonna do with this money? You don't worry about it. You just get, go to the airport, change it. Or you'll change it when you arrive in Sweden, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it has to come to that. So that is the I think that is the simplest way I can sort yeah. of try yeah. to uh Explain it.
0: Yeah. No, no, I think that makes a lot of sense to kind of see like the different changes, almost like different countries. Yes. Um, so they have different yeah. values. Yeah. You know, what
2: you can get for a unit is different. The utility can be different. The look and feel can be different. But it, it does more or less the same <laughs> job. And yeah. then you have a very easy way of uh, crossing the worlds. Yeah. So the same goes for metaverses. Like, you know, you have the Decentraland and Sandbox and hopefully not. Facebook so but uh, right now (laughs) I'll never get anything from uh, Facebook but 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 these are right now islands more or less Mm -hmm. so so these islands have to connect you know same way the our ancestors you know built ships and uh,
1: sailed uh, around the world so so that has to happen but don't you think though because there there is another like argument here or perspective which is more that although we can view this as, as different countries, different currencies, so to say, in, in, in a metaphor, but still the other perspective is more that <clears throat> since this is such a completely free competitive market, the market will be even more selective compared to the, the old system thats that actually will be just a few winners and that this multi-chain blockchain will be very hard to to achieve in practice. Uh, what are your thoughts about that perspective more?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it'll end up with uh, sort of supply and demand will win end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you know I mean even something technologically superior, if it doesn't address the uh, a user's problem, or if it's not user friendly uh, then you know it's it's its days are counted yeah so uh, so i mean there will be consolidations and i mean i think there'll be a lot of things that will just simply fall off because it doesn't work work out uh, but uh, there are a lot of promising uh, things at the bottom I mean, for example you know if you look at the sandbox mm. i mean that's an amazing uh, thing uh, it, it of course has its, sorry, various uh, flows, but um, it, it's an amazing thing, you know, that that they are building, and uh, if if things stick to the original uh, concept, uh, then it, it can be an amazing amount uh, piece
1: of uh, technology. Yeah, uh, and we, we have talked about this a little bit already, but but uh, looking at the future, looking at the crypto space, uh, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, you said that. doesn't really worry you when bitcoin goes down 50 percent; it will go up again and the the underlying value of the the real fiscal art is the same although the nft market may may go into a a more bearish mode but like i know it's very hard to predict the future but uh, what are your your view on the like cryptocurrency market in the future do you think that there actually will be very, very, very few winners. And, and what winners could it be? And, and, and what cryptocurrencies do you think have like compete the most with each other uh, in, in trying to op- obtain the same goals?
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, I think Bitcoin will, you know, end up a massive uh, store of uh, value for a long time to come. And it, it that position will consolidate it it'll, it'll be like similar to gold or it'll be like a reserve currency uh that'll i mean that's definitely happening it's that future is happening uh and at the same time uh, utility uh, blockchains uh, such as uh, ethereum uh, you know they have an enormous value when it comes to uh, applications mm-hmm. and uh, adaptability and flexibility and with the proof of uh, stake coming into play the whole energy issue is going to disappear um so I think I think uh, I don't think I want to name any any specific currency but what I generally believe is things the solutions that have uh, value to users will survive that's yeah. the bottom line so I mean like for example if you look at Ripple fantastic solution you know it it, 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 it could have replaced uh, Swift uh, you,
1: just for the listeners, could you explain like essentially,
2: what's the essentials of, of Ripple? And certainly. Term? So Ripple was uh, Ripple is another cryptocurrency with its own uh, blockchain and uh, you are uh, aware of uh, SWIFT which is the international system of transferring uh, fiat currency around the world uh, a little bit like um, wire, transfer, wire transfers. Wire yeah. transfers, exactly. Wire transfers, a little bit like SEPA uh, in uh, mm-hmm. Europe. So uh, so Ripple was and, and it's built, the original SWIFT was built run on uh, analog modems and uh, you know this was long before uh, online uh, internet world this original Swift was built so Ripple was built to more or less replace the Swift mechanism where banks can uh, interact with each other uh, same way the Swift does but much faster and much cheaper and uh, much uh, user-friendly way so this was the promise of Ripple but then Swift caught up very fast, extremely fast, and, and, and it just accelerated. And the Ripple also had some regulatory issues and this and that. And then they'd like although that, if you look at the Ripple a starting point, yeah. at that time, Ripple would have been many fold, many times technically superior to Swift, but because of user friendliness and uh, various sort of technical issues and, of course, regulatory issues to a certain extent, it it didn't move fast enough in the space Mm. to replace Swift. So it didn't really happen. Uh, So so that's a sort of example of superior technology, Uh, you know, really not delivering Mm. value to the user. End of the day. End of the day. If, if it actually delivered value to the users, that's the banking system. Mm. It would have it would have been adopted easily. But it is one of the reasons, and um, they are still working on it. They are still obviously pivoting, changing, doing things. But then, uh, I mean, Swift being the sort of the giant uh, behemoth, it is. Mm-hmm. It it moved fast. Yeah. And it it it, uh, it uh, adopted fast. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's what happened.
0: Yeah, and I guess you can still argue it's uh, it's for the greater good as well to kind of have that that competitive competitive marketplace, really.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that also clearly explains, you very rightly said, consumer wins. Mm-hmm. You know, Swift costs have gone from $30, 40 $50 per transaction down to $10. Uh, I, I know this because I sort of send money to Sri Lanka. We have a little uh, software development backend in Sri Lanka uh, who does some development work for us. So we do... Uh, Sort of more money transfers to Sri Lanka to to you know pay salaries and stuff, so so these costs, these back to bank costs have come down drastically, thanks to these alternative technologies. So the consumer won. Yeah. So that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yes, uh, and I think uh, just moving into to our purpose with 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 the digital asset society is to increase the literacy connected to digital assets among students at SEC and in Sweden at the end of the day. Uh, so uh, just for for those like. That kind of group, students or young people, wants to learn more about cryptocurrencies, NFTs, Web three, and the whole space in general. Uh, first of all, what do you think, or do you do? You, what have you learned that this could be valuable uh, for for listeners? But also, what are the most common mistakes uh, people make when they are trying to grasp, like the fundamentals of Bitcoin, for instance, or or Ethereum, or just blockchain in general?
2: Yeah, I I think the first first thing I would suggest is to look beyond the speculative value of things you know I mean it, because if you look at if you search or if you look at binance or anything, I mean you'll see thousands of different currencies yeah. but then at the same time if you look at your uh, stock market uh, trading board it's the same thing hundreds of companies that you have no clue what they do. <laughs> but somehow we have built a system where we filter out how to invest in the stock market. Mm-hmm. So so you gotta put that mentality into the crypto spaces of course there's a lot of stuff but then you have to look at it from the value it has created from its track record and things like that uh if if you're looking at it from an investment point of view then i what i would suggest is to look look at beyond the speculative value you know see what if if you're thinking of let's say investing in a alternative cryptocurrency you know see what they are trying to do you know say, i mean if 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 they have a sustainable practical business model uh you know, maybe it's something worthwhile looking at. Uh, and I mean, the the other 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 problem, I, which I don't have a solution at the moment, is the the the, the technical challenges yeah. of getting into the space, you know, getting yeah. your wallet, the, the, the security of it, the scariness of, you know, that the error messages you get that, you know, not the error messages, the warnings you get that, you know, if you lose this, you will lose everything. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't have an easy solution to that. But, you know, don't be scared to take the initial steps I mean you know b- buy a cheap nFT you know see what that feels like you know uh, see how that uh, that experience is like mm-hmm. uh, and um, I mean when when we say digital assets we are not only talking digital assets we are talking digitized assets mm. you know so that's so, difference, yeah so that's the difference so mm-hmm. that, and that that and that future is going to happen. So sooner you get in, uh, it's actually better for the whole ecosystem because more users that are there are more users who are using, more people who are commenting, complaining, talking about it. It's gonna accelerate uh, mm. development in the industry. Yeah. So uh, jump in, you know. Don't try to buy one Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> you never have to do that. You can buy some fractions, and you know you can look at the trading aspect of it. And I mean, you know, crypto people who do crypto trading says always buy the dip. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't think it's a bad idea to buy the dip. And, uh, you know, look at the
1: utility value. As, of as it. long as it's not Luna, <laughs> that's, <a, laughs> that's a scary dip. That's you a know? different story. <laughs> that's a <laughs> different story. Yeah. I, mean,
2: uh, I mean, that's uh, it, it, it's that's quite scary. I mean, like, yeah. I, I remember seeing the Bitcoin drop from $20,000 to... I think it dropped to 6,000 something.
1: Uh, I think at the lowest, 3 or four 3 years, yeah. And, and the
2: 20,000 to, I think, just below 10,000 happened within like 48,000. It happened so fast. Yeah. And uh, I remember looking at that and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this hurts, you know, yeah. like, it's yeah. like... <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I mean, a, a great life lesson as well and like, humbles humbles you just kind of see and in, in manage risk uh, as well, I can imagine. I think speaking from personal experiences, a lot of like, um, I had no like exposure to tarot, but still like being being really part of that and like actually being in the industry um, in depth and like following the markets when something like that happens and understanding that, I mean, the project was very like well-backed and like so many people who, who are very um, respected in the industry had a lot of exposure to it and, and kind of just goes to show that, um, you have to understand the risks that you're taking, and I think a lot of people didn't understand that, yeah. and kind of led, which led to the like disaster that it was. Maybe,
2: yeah, exactly. I uh, mean, like like any financial advisor will tell you, you know, you distribute your risks, and uh, I mean, even if you're investing in the stock market, you don't put all your money in the high risk uh, stocks. You know, yeah. you you have strike a good balance, and so I mean, yeah, that's.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, Warren Buffett's uh, quote also, right? Like uh, <laughs> Risk comes from not knowing what you're doing. <laughs> and I think uh, that's crucial. That's uh, actually, I think most people don't even look at the white papers before they invest. Yeah, exactly.
2: That's a big mistake. I mean, uh, you, you have to believe in also what you're investing in. and mm. You have to try to understand wh- what they're doing. And because at the end of the day, you know, there can be market dynamics that affect these projects. So, you know, that market dynamic can be right in front of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you can read the white paper. If you read the white paper, you will understand that market dynamic and you will know whether this is a good place or not. But if you just look at the chart and get in, then you are sort of closing yourself from uh, information.
1: Mm-hmm. So, it's fair to say that you are not a day trader then. <laughs> no, I
2: have, I, have, I have a couple of bots doing that for me, so... Uh... <laughs> you have employed yeah, so
0: staff. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a, uh, a good follow-up question though to to victor's previous question is kind of from someone going from zero to one within within the industries like having having no or very little previous knowledge where would you kind of tell them to start and, and like what would you tell them to to start looking at and, and do
2: yeah i think uh i mean i think first is to do some do a bit of reading There's a lot of good material online. Even if you go to like big exchange websites, you know, Binance or FTX or Coinbase, they have a lot of good trading material. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of good uh, YouTube videos. Then at the same time, there are a lot of YouTube videos that says get rich fast. Yeah. Don't (laughs) click on them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah, yeah. but there are good. uh, So I think uh, first it's good to understand uh, some of the basics, some of the background, some of the reasons for some of the. Way some things work, you know, like for example, why can the transaction take a certain time? Uh, why does markets react in certain ways? And it's good to understand. So my first uh, suggestion will be uh, do a bit of reading, uh, look at some uh, sort of credible uh, YouTube videos, so that uh, you know you have your uh, basics right. And I mean, ask some uh, questions. You know, I mean, this is—I mean, I ask questions from uh, you know different people all the time because you know I, I don't understand everything. So you know, so ask questions. You know, there's nothing. You know, don't don't be shy to ask questions from anyone, and uh, it helps to create knowledge. So uh, yeah, I think uh, getting uh, educated uh, is 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 the most important thing, and there's enormous amount of uh, resources out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, Yeah. yeah, and if you have time, read the Bitcoin uh, Satoshi uh, Nakamoto white paper, it'll uh, give you a little bit of inspiration of, you know, for for the whole activism aspect of it uh, as well. Uh, It's not 100% technical. So uh, that's also a nice uh, reading.
1: Nice stars, nice start, <laughs> nice stuff, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Nice. Uh, yeah. Before we really wrap this up here, uh, I just wanted to ask also. I'm curious. Uh, how does your What are the future plans for your for your life and for Infinity Mark and, and like where do you see yourself from like ten or twenty years from now? <laughs> These hard big <laughs> picture questions.
2: I mean that that entirely depends on how fast Elon Musk builds the rocket, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, the one that goes to Mars. <laughs>
1: Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer. Uh,
2: oh, man. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. In all seriousness, uh, I mean, Infinity Walk, I think we are in a great uh, space uh, at the right time. Mm-hmm. And we are a great team uh, with the right skills to build this project. So the interest is good. The team is good. The skill set is good. The time is right. So uh, I see a lot of potential in the space and I see a lot of value a tech company can bring to the art world uh, so so Infinity Mark I mean yeah in 10 years time it can only be uh, very successful that's uh, that's how I see it it's hard work but uh, yeah that's that's how it is I mean personally well if the rocket works I'll try to get a ticket on that see how, what that's like <laughs> if not you know I mean uh, I, I like innovation I mean I, I keep innovating Uh, I've spent all my life innovating, Mm. so uh, I I don't know what it would be, but uh, I'll I'll keep uh, working on uh, doing new things, learning new things, trying to, you know, figure new things out and uh, learning, yeah. We'll probably have this same uh, discussion about some new technology in 10 years time. Yeah.
0: Um, well, uh, thank you so much. We have one final question for you, uh, but before that, uh, we'd like to thank you for, you've been so generous with your time. And uh, for people listening, and, and maybe want to get in contact with you, or we'll learn more about Infinity Mark, uh, how is uh, what's the best way to contact uh, contact you or get in touch?
2: Absolutely. Uh, I also have one more one thing that I would like to add. Yeah, yeah, please. Yes, we are also hiring. Okay, yeah. And uh, we have some internship opportunities. We have some senior opportunities. And uh, if if anybody is interested, uh, you can uh, find me on uh, LinkedIn, uh, or you can send me an email. Uh, my email is uh, cm at infinitymark.com. Uh, dot com. So you can uh, drop me a mail or find me on LinkedIn. And uh, I mean, if you if there's any question, anything I can answer, I'll be I'll be happy to uh, answer. No problem, anytime. And uh, thank you so much for the invite, it's uh, yeah. good to be back and uh, I, I love uh, talking about uh, <laughs> tech stuff and this is a great opportunity for me also to express myself. Yeah. So no, uh, uh, was, thank you so much. so fun yeah. talking with you. And uh, what, you're, what you're doing, uh, increasing awareness uh, about this uh, in, in, in the space is, uh, is, uh, is, is amazing and you are bringing in a lot of uh, valuable input from a lot of uh, interesting and uh, great uh, participants. So super job, and uh, please give it up. Thank Thank you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but uh, before we let you leave, we're going to put you in the spotlight a little bit. And uh, uh, if you can leave the listener with one statement or quote uh, that you would find meaningful or, or valuable, what would it be? Take a risk. I like that. Nice. All right. Perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Champic. Thank you so much, Champic. Thank you so much. If you'd like to learn more about the Digital Asset Society, you can visit the link in the description. We also have a newsletter which we post weekly. Disclosure: Some Digital Assets Society members are invested in certain coins, tokens, or NFTs, which may have been spoken about in today's episode. This statement is intended to disclose any conflict of interest and should not be misconstrued as a recommendation to purchase any coin, token, or NFT. This content is for informational purposes only, and you should not make any investment decisions based solely on it.